0: Hello and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. Amen. You may have a seat. It is good to see everyone this first week of Advent this year, and we are glad that you are here and taking a part of this season with us. If you didn't notice, we have an Advent booklet by the door. We'd love to encourage you. Feel free to take that and join along with us as we all try to prepare our hearts together for the joy that we have in remembering our Lord's first coming and also the many other ways that He comes to us. In fact, the desire behind that booklet is to help give you some verses to think about. Each week, as we go through this Advent season, you know, more specifically, our theme is promise and fulfillment. This idea that, that there are so many promises of God that were fulfilled in the very person of Jesus Christ. It's to help us remember that bigger story that we don't get lost in the momentary rush of a holiday, so many good things with family and friends, but rather come back. To this beauty of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. You know, it's it's amazing when you think about it how God, very much so, unlike a child, was incredibly patient with this gift. He took so much time, thousands of years in fact, to, to unveil, unwrap for us the beauty of what He was going to do for us in His very being, in His very person. Each day through this Advent booklet, we want to give you a glimpse of those different promises and then how they're fulfilled. And connect that then on Sundays with you together as we talk about what our God has done. Now, perhaps for you, the idea of Advent season and celebrating something a little longer than just Christmas is maybe new for you. Not every church is due sort of an Advent celebration. But if you look back in history, it goes back to at least 480 A.D. So many people would argue that it was probably even further back right after Christ that things started to be celebrated similarly. And that that idea of Advent, it comes from the Latin word Adventus, which is trying to, to translate the Greek word parousia, which both just mean coming, arriving, And that's what it's meant to bring us to, the coming, the arriving of Jesus Christ, but but in many different ways. And first and foremost, his coming to us that very Christmas morning, the God-man embodied and born that we might know him and see him face to face. But also, secondarily, when you think about it, the idea that he comes to us each personally through our faith, through our salvation, and even our sanctification as we walk with him through relationship in the Holy Spirit And then we long for that second coming together, that moment when Jesus is going to come back again, and we get to see him and be caught up with him in this grand procession as he is coming to establish his kingdom forevermore. And so Advent is a season of preparation, and there's so many different ways that that can happen. Many different traditions marry the idea of fasting with part of the Advent season, Almost all of them have colors that change during the Advent season. Uh, You'll see purple a lot. Uh, Purple signifying the reigning of the king, his majesty and his glory that we come to. Uh, You'll often see blues as well for the sign of royalty. Colors were even expressed in things like candles. In fact, it was in the 1800s that Johann Heinrich Wickern started the Advent wreath. He had a bunch of children in his church who were too anxious for that Christmas morning. And he wanted to help them realize when it was going to happen. So he took a wagon wheel and he put little white candles every day of the week, except for Sunday was a red candle. And then kept going around so that every time the kids came in, they knew how much closer they were getting to Christmas. Now most of us don't need that much reminders anymore, so we we just use the red ones anymore typically. But you see colors come through like in the green, uh, the everlasting life and idea that comes through in the boughs, this circle that's meant to represent a crown of our king and our trust in the hope of who he is and what he is doing. And there's so many different images and all of them, no matter how different people uh, celebrate Advent, the, the goal's the same. It's meant to arrest us to slow us down, to cause us to pause in, in the midst of what might seem normal and regular, something you've done a, a lot and has many different ideas shoved into it to make us pause and think back to what really matters. And right, I pray that you would do that with us as we have, as we have these sweet fifth graders like Anna this morning who come up and, and light the candle for us, uh, this flickering flame that's meant to be a symbol of the light of Christ coming into the world. Would you pause with us during this season and remember who God is and what he's done for us in the very person of Jesus Christ. And one of the, the things that, that, that go along with Advent so often as well is the idea of different themes, different aspects of our Lord and Savior that we look at on different weeks. And so we're going to try to pair those themes with the idea of promise and fulfillment. How do we see that idea working throughout Scripture in God's promises and then how they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ? And these are the themes we're going to be following through this, this year. Uh, hope peace, love, joy on Christmas Eve. And then if you have the Advent booklet, you can, can look at how do you worship on Christmas Day together with your family as you think about what God has done in Jesus Christ. So we start this week with this theme of hope. Hope is really easy to connect to the idea of promise and fulfillment. In fact, so often when we think about promises, hope comes hand in hand because it seems like that's what we do a lot is we hope and we wait for the promise to happen. You know, it, it seems like waiting is always there. And, and similarly, hope connects to this idea of fulfillment because that is what hope is, that we might see the fulfillment actually come at some point. What we've been told would happen will actually happen. You know, I was thinking about hope as I was preparing this sermon and it made me think of Christmas gifts. You know, I, if, if, if you think about that, you probably have gifts are very integral to our, our Christmas. It's integral to our culture. We have to wonder about the original intent of how that came about. Some would say it's mimicking the, the, the wise men who came and brought gifts to the Christ child. I'm sure there's parents who think that frankincense and myrrh might be cheaper than their Christmas experiences. I'm sure that, that we often get very far from whatever the original intent was. But in one way, if you think about it, gift giving helps make hope very tangible, especially to young children. I mean, think about it. A, a child gives you a list They tell you something that they've been looking forward to, and then they wait, and they hope, and they hope, and they hope that they might receive it. I mean, can you remember that feeling as a young child? I'm sure most of us have that idea of that gift we really wanted that we actually got, or that gift we really wanted that we didn't get. But nonetheless, you can remember that idea of of hoping that it might come true, that you might actually receive it. Or if you're a child here this morning, do you remember that feeling still, that it feels like it's taking forever for the things that you really want to happen, whether it's growing up and being able to drive or, or go off to college or even just go across the street on your own? And making hope tangible is so helpful, especially when we think about how we, we perceive hope in so many other areas of our life. Uh, for many of us, we have these, these things that we hope for, for that, that are just part of, of, of what occurs in our day-to-day life. Uh, we, sometimes we have areas that we want particular outcomes with, and they're often connected with the, the difficult and somewhat intangible aspects of our life. And we can hope for things like a different job, more money, better relationships. We can hope for healing from diseases like cancer, that we might find joy where we don't find it, and perhaps it's a hope of a nice home. You know, Sometimes we have a clear hope, something that we can pray for specifically, but so often our hope revolves around something that we just don't want. We don't want the difficulty, the bad, the situation that we find ourselves in. We just want to get out of it somehow. And that way, hope can become really nebulous. I hope, but just for something different. We know that what we experience so often in this life is not how it's meant to be, that it's broken because of sin and suffering. And we just hope that we could have something other than that difficulty. Now, Even for those who don't yet believe in Jesus, they understand that hope. Uh, that's a touch point that we have with one another, this desire to be free of the brokenness of sin and difficulty in our life. But the sad thing is that we as Christians often still hope in just that way. We hope just for something different than the bad, we hope in this sort of nebulous, uh, ethereal, untethered way, you know, a hope without a goal or a purpose. That's why I've wondered lately if gifts are helpful to give us a glimpse of that hope, hope given some sort of form, hope in tangible form, because we have to come to a place where we see hope as tangible again and again in our life, because hope is not nebulous, Hope is not ethereal. Hope is not a mist that just comes and goes. It isn't simply the opposite of the sadness and the brokenness that we experience. Hope is something, or rather, hope is someone. Hope is a person. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Just as God embodies and is the definition of all good things like love and joy and peace, he too defines hope. And he defines it for us in the very person of Jesus Christ. He himself is our hope in every way that we need him to be. I mean, there are so many good songs this time of year. And one that I just love is one that's called Hope Has a Name. And this is how part of its chorus goes. It says, Hope Has a Name, Emmanuel, Emmanuel the light of the world who broke through the darkness. All hail the king, Emmanuel, the light of the world, the glory of heaven. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ himself, he is hope. That is what Paul was saying to Timothy. That is what he is saying to us today. And that is what we should come to tether ourselves to. Our God, our king, the very light in a dark world, the glory of God in heaven. He is our hope. I pray this morning that that's the main point that you walk away with. Hope is never nebulous. Hope is never formless. Even in your very specific prayers for a very specific outcome, they point to something bigger and are grounded in something much more real. Jesus himself, Uh, Our prayers for a job points for our longing of security in the new heavens and the new earth in a home that Jesus built especially for us. Uh, Our our prayers against sickness, mental illness, and disease is is a foreshadowing, a looking forward to that moment in the new heavens and the new earth where God robes us again in perfect bodies that can now walk face-to-face with him forevermore. All hope points to Jesus as our hope. Jesus is our hope. And that's what we're going to see today as we look at many different promises and fulfillments of God that point us to the reality that Jesus is our hope. And we start with a place that no one thought would bring hope. The idea that through death, we see Jesus as our hope. Jesus, the hope of life through death. And when we think about how this was foretold, you get some of the oddest images in all of Scripture. In fact, we get an image of our Savior as a serpent, right? That, that probably goes against every picture that you think you should ever use in the Bible. Yet, that's what we're told. In fact, when we go to Numbers 21, we see this. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. The story behind this is that the people of Israel are doing what they normally do, which is they're grumbling, frustrated at God that he hasn't done what they want. God sends fiery serpents, we're told. Not quite sure exactly what that means, but they they show up amongst the people of Israel. And then the people ask God to take away the serpents, but he doesn't. Instead, he provides a way out from the serpents. He puts the serpents on a pole. He says, Moses, put a bronze serpent on a pole, hold it up. If someone gets bitten, have them come, look upon the pole, and they'll be saved. Again, not the image you probably think about when you come to Christmas. You're probably not saying, hey, let's go back to that story. Remember that story in the desert about a snake's biting people? And let's put a snake on a pole and hold it up and everyone's going to look at it. You're like, that's a Christmas story, kids. Let's put that up here. Children, walk up front. Who's going to be the little snakes biting everyone? Who's got the pole, right? Not your original thought. Yet, when we come to John, that's where he goes when he thinks about the foretelling of what Jesus would do. He says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is right before this passage that we all know so well, yet we don't ever quote this piece. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus is the hope of life through death embodied for us. Just like we saw with Abraham and Isaac, Isaac laying upon the altar, just as we see in every every sacrifice in the tabernacle, in the temple, they are all a picture of the promise and fulfillment that would happen through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We don't think about it often, but that little baby in the manger was a lamb born for slaughter. Silent in the manger, silent before his accusers, Willingly made the God-man for the cross, that we might have hope through him, through his very life, that we might have the hope of life through death. And because that's true, because we have hope of life through death in Jesus Christ, so many other things are possible so many other hopes are true in him. And we would go back to an area that we started with this morning. Uh, this idea that so much of our hope springs from the brokenness in every area that we experience in our life. Sin, brokenness, death, they oftentimes are like the burnt forest of, of aspects of our life from which the bright green sprig of Christ springing forth shines brighter as life for us where we see that jesus he is our hope over sin brokenness and death Uh, jesus is our hope and has always been promised to be this from the very beginning Uh, we see how god foretold uh, what would happen to satan after he tempted adam and eve and he said i will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel Uh, and the son of a woman would become the very son of god And he would save his people not only from Satan, but from their sins. And when the angel declared to Joseph uh, prior to the birth of Jesus, he, he was beginning to give a hint at this foretelling coming true. It says, But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Or as Paul, reflecting back on all this, says in Galatians 4, he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. The cross brought the fulfillment of our hope for the end of sin in Jesus, but there is so much more. I mean, today, uh, we see even in, in the pockets of miraculous healings and, and through God's use of his image bearers who, who work as physicians to care for one another, a, a sign of, of, of what we further hope for in all of this, a, a sign where there will be no, no pain and sickness anymore, uh, the hope of healing that is embodied in Jesus Christ. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 35, says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the death unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. And then we see as, as Jesus' ministry unfolds, here's what we see Matthew says. It says, now when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? And Jesus went straight to Isaiah 35. He said, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the The deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. And we still see this happen in moments today, yet it is all pointing forward to this more beautiful moment when all illness, all brokenness is taken away. And it's pointing to the promise that God's people, that you and me, we would not see corruption, as David would say, he says that in Psalm 16. He says, Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And then Luke, looking back on this, he, he translates it for us. He says, Being therefore a prophet, David, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, to David, that he, God, would set one of his, David's descendants, on the throne. He, David, foresaw and spoke, in Psalm 16, about the resurrection of the Christ, that he, Christ, was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his, Christ flesh, see corruption. It's because David was looking at that prophetically that David could also claim it. And it's the same reason that you and I can claim it as well in Jesus Christ. What is true for him, that he would not see corruption through death, is true for us in our salvation through Jesus Christ. The promise of life through death is for our Lord and for us. Isaiah says it this way: He says, "And he will swallow up this mountain; uh, will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord Yahweh has spoken." Or as Paul says, When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we think about Jesus as our hope, our hope against sin and brokenness and death, our hope of life through death, hope through his life and his death, that we might have it. I think we really want to believe that. Yet so often it becomes very hard for us. And that's the question this morning. Are you in a place where you actually believe that? Whether it's for the first time, for the 10,000th time, is that where you put your hope? Because I think so often, we want to say that's true for us, yet... In the midst of the difficulties of day-to-day life, the things that get us down, the fact that we don't see yet today, now, already, in every way, in every sphere, things fixed, things made right as it's promised. We have a hard time believing that he is the one that will provide that. That he is the one who can do that for us. I mean, that's what's so helpful about coming back to promises and fulfillments is remembering that the promises, they all needed fulfillment. Fulfillment that there was a waiting for, that there were thousands of years between many of the prophecies and Christ's coming, and the hope that we might finally see over sin and death to be real and in person for us. And perhaps in light of that reality, God taking several years to provide answers for us is really not that big of a deal, or maybe even more so when we think about the fact that our lives are limited, that might be a sweet grace of God that we might be ushered into his very presence without having to wait thousands of thousands of years till his second coming might finally come. But more than just needing patience, could it be that we've misunderstood a little bit of how Jesus is our hope for life and the destruction of sin and brokenness through his death? Is it possible that perhaps we should be seeing our struggles through brokenness and sin as part of God's path part of God's way of bringing us to the joy of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ as we just talked about recently in Romans Paul says this through him Jesus we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings why knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope, Jesus, does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. This Christmas, as we, as we pray for the removal of all sin, and brokenness, and destruction in our life, asking the Lord to come and really meet us and our friends and family in those places, perhaps as God bring us exactly to this hope to jesus through those difficulties that we might see and treasure him more that jesus as our hope in suffering as paul says as part of this process of our sanctification that starts with suffering and in going through this process might we find hope that jesus christ himself does not put us to shame that he hasn't left us alone in the difficulties that he hasn't left us without a promise of something better that in this process, we find God's love through the Holy Spirit larger in our hearts and our hope more firmly fixed on the hope embodied in Jesus. And suffering and trials may always be part of our struggle, whether it's during Advent or otherwise, to see Jesus as our hope over sin. You know, we, we, we forget how often that the birth of Christ itself was shrouded in suffering and difficulty. As cute as you dress up a little kid to look like Mary and Joseph and put them on either a real donkey or a dad on his knees and hands walking around, it can't begin to picture what it was like traveling to your ancestral homeland, poor and pregnant, that you might have a census taken. And how quickly do we forget that, that right after they have the child, within just a couple years, they, they have to flee to Egypt because of the death hanging over all of the children in that area that, that actually is carried out. know, here they are, a, a relatively young couple with a young child, refugees, in a country without any of their people, life, much more difficult than we can probably imagine. But today, whether you are struggling for the first time to view Jesus as your hope through suffering and difficulty, or whether you're, you're having a hard time coming back to remembering the beauty of the hope in Jesus Christ, Perhaps what you need to remember is this, that Jesus is our hope as the promise keeper. And that's what all promises and fulfillment show us. They show us that God is a promise keeper, and God predominantly and preponderantly does that through Jesus Christ. That's what we see in scripture again and again. We already saw how God kept his promise to Adam and Eve for a hope of a son through Jesus Christ And we see God's promises fulfilled to people like Abraham in Jesus. Promises like this in Genesis 12 and 28, where it says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Peter and Luke looking back on these say they were fulfilled and Peter says this you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father saying to Abraham and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed God having raised up his servant Jesus sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness or we see as Luke says Jesus the son of Jacob the son of Isaac the son of Abraham God fulfilling his promises through, through Jesus. We see Jesus fulfill promises as the good king, the forever king like David who sits on his throne forever. We see Jesus as the promise keeper in so many different arenas. In fact, we see him as the promise keeper in an area that people oftentimes think that God didn't fulfill his promise in. So often when people look at Israel, they don't see a national Israel today carrying the same promises that, that God promised to them. He must have failed, he must not have given to them. And we looked in at the beginning of Romans how this was a real struggle for Paul. When Paul looked at his fellow countrymen, dealing with what is God doing? How do they not have the promises that he's said he was going to give them? Yet in Jesus, as the true Israel, as the Israel who kept their promises, we do indeed see hope. Hope as Jesus is the, the promise keeper of God. I mean, have you ever thought about all the weird things that happened to Jesus and why they happened? Like, why did he have to go to Egypt? He had to go to Egypt so that as the true Israel, he could be called out into what God had called him into. And Jesus, why was Jesus baptized by John the Baptist? He didn't have any sins. That's what John was doing, baptizing people for the remission of their sins. Jesus had to come and be identified as the good son before his holy God. Just like Israel should have been identified with their God through the Red Sea and come out praising him and identifying with him, not uh, rejecting him. And in doing so, we, hear, we see that Jesus hears, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now Jesus goes out into the desert for 40 days like Israel was in the desert for 40 years that he might show that he can put his trust rightly in God where Israel didn't that he would trust in his provision of food and everything that he needs in the ways that Israel did not the first time. Jesus is our hope as our promise keeper, as the true and better Adam. Jesus is our hope as the promise keeper, as the true and forever king, more so than David. And Jesus is our hope as our promise keeper, as the true Israel, the Israel that kept his promise, the one who walked with God and trusted God in all he did the firstborn of God that through his promises being kept and fulfilled through his trust in God that we might have the hope that he would bring all of his brothers and sisters back into right relationship with his father and we can trust that Jesus is our hope over sin and death and our hope for life through death because he is the promise keeper he is the one who fulfills all the promises in fact he fulfills promises that were made before time was even created In love, God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Jesus was the promise keeper of God before God even created. God did not create, not knowing what would happen. God created all of creation, you and me, knowing we would sin, knowing we would rebel, and knowing that it would be at the cost of both the manger and the cross. Jesus leaving his very throne with God that he might become forever the God man born as an infant living a life in the same difficulties that we live with and being crucified on our behalf on the cross and he did all of that for joy he did all of that for joy he didn't do it begrudgingly He looked on us like a father and a mother getting presents together for their children, not begrudgingly, but with a smile, waiting a long time that he might present it to us. His beloved ones, that we might receive it and come to walk rightly with him. I mean, that brings us to our last point, but definitely not the least important point, that Jesus is the hope for all people. Hope, especially when we talk about it this way, hope as a person can rightly also be talked about as belief and that's what i mean here today is that we have to have a question tied to this jesus is a hope for all people do you put your trust your desire your hope your belief in the very person of jesus himself set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of jesus christ as the psalmist says, and now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. When we think about the Christmas season, the Advent season, we cannot be indifferent. Just as the psalmist says, for what do I wait? God's promises are fulfilled in the very hope of Jesus. It is a hope that is bought in his death for our life, bringing healing And mending for the brokenness and the sin, ultimately drawing us back to himself in the new heavens and the new earth is a hope that is rooted in Jesus as the promise keeper of God who will do all the things that he has promised to do, the one that we can trust because he's kept all of his promises and will continue to fulfill all of his promises, even the ones that we do not yet see fulfilled today. This God of hope, hope Embodied in Emmanuel, God with us, is for all people. It's a real offer of salvation for you today. It's a real offer of salvation to those in your family and around us that they can put their hope in Jesus Christ. He is God Himself, the promise keeper and the one who saved you to life through His life and His death. Come to Him in hope this morning. Now, perhaps this is your first time considering this hope this morning. Would you consider this year, today, this Christmas season, whether or not you'll put your hope in Jesus Christ, whether or not you will find him as your hope, the only hope that you could ever have. He is God himself. Come to him this morning. And perhaps you are here this morning, and you're coming back and remembering Jesus as your hope. The, The question is still the same. Will you come to Jesus even this morning again? Maybe it's for the 10,000th time in your life. Again, saying that Jesus is your hope. The only hope you have in all areas, in all ways. That he is the grounding of your hope and he is the fulfillment of your hope. in all promises of walking together with him in the new heavens and the new earth. Come to him in hope this morning. That's what I pray that, that you think about this morning. If you are a believer, I would invite you to take communion with us after this next song. Uh, there's tables in the back and on the side, I invite you to take the elements and hold them. But I would ask you as we are singing, as we are, are thinking and preparing our hearts for communion, would you consider the hope that you have in Jesus? Not just a feeling, not just a miss an ethereal way of being, but actually a tangible thing called hope, who is Jesus. Your very hope, For life and death against the brokenness of sin knowing that he has fulfilled all that he has been called to do and will continue to fulfill all that he has promised he will do will you pray with me lord jesus we are so thankful that you are our hope how joyful is that how good is that lord you you give form to what we hope for what we desire and think about so often Lord God, would you help us to see in every little way the things that feel intangible, the things that feel very real in our life, would we see how they are all grounded in you and all point us back to you? Lord, would we find that as we gaze upon you this Advent season, that we are roused to hope. Hope in knowing you. Hope because you are tangible hope. You are real hope, hope embodied for us. Hope in the manger and hope at the cross. Hope in your resurrection and hope seated at the very right hand of Gloria the Father today. Lord Jesus, would you be very real to us. Holy Spirit, would you, would you move in us that we would know this hope, that we would come to trust in this hope. Lord God, thank you for all the things that you have done in your promises and fulfillment in Jesus Christ and especially for the way that he is our hope. It's in his name we pray. Amen.